Thank you for joining us as we bring you this worship service of 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. Our readings this morning are from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, and from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Dr. Lisa Fulham is preaching. Her sermon is titled, Written on Our Hearts. You'll find the link to our complete announcements in your email. Here are a few highlights. We are soon approaching Holy Week, and we'll kick that off with a live service via Zoom on Palm Sunday, March 28th at 10 a.m. We will be celebrating communion, so we invite you to have bread and cup prepared for that. Thursday, April 1st, we will have a recorded Monday Thursday service available by 3 p.m. And Friday, April 2nd, we will have a live Good Friday Tenebrae service via Zoom at 7.30 p.m. In anticipation of Easter, we would like to incorporate sounds of new life from nature into our April 4th recorded worship service, Perhaps you hear new life in the waves of the ocean, or in birdsong, or in rain showers. We invite you to make a short audio recording of the sounds of new life you hear in nature and to send them my way via email by this Wednesday, the 24th. And now, in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as you prepare to worship God. We light a light in the name of God who creates life. We light a light in the name of Christ who loves life. We light a light in the name of Spirit who is the fire of life.
Let us pray. God, you have made a covenant with us, not like the covenant made with our ancestors. This covenant you write upon our hearts when we live from our hearts trusting you. We give you thanks. When we do not, we pray forgiveness. Call us back to our hearts, loving our neighbors and ourselves. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you.
God says to us, I will be your God, and you shall be my people. God remembers our sins no more. We are forgiven and set free. To live boldly, love freely, knowing that God is always with us. Friends, we are loved to life and freed in God's spirit. Yes, so be it. Amen. From the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, beginning with verse 31. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. Open our hearts and minds that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. The days are surely coming, says God, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them, And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Holy One, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their inequity and remember their sin no more. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
A reading from the Gospel of John, the 12th chapter, beginning with the 20th verse. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Humanity to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant also." Whoever serves me, the Creator, will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? God, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. God, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. Here ends the reading. Good morning. Well, here we are, week five of Lent. We had a little break last week with Laetare Sunday, the fourth Sunday in Lent, that invites us to rejoice, in part because we were more than halfway to Easter from Ash Wednesday. It's like a little spring break from Lent. Now we're back in our Lenten introspection. How will this Lent be carried forward in our hearts? I read today's reading from Jeremiah that way. In a small way, every Lent is a discernment process toward that new covenant that God promised Israel and Judah. Not like the old covenant, but a new covenant written on our hearts. Let's think about the difference it makes when a covenant is written on one's heart. And Jeremiah tips us off with a metaphor. Israel broke the previous covenant. He writes, though I was their husband. A covenant written on the heart is like a close relationship in which, over time, some of the laws are habits gained through a growing connection. Think about the laws of a close relationship, say, with a partner, with a parent or child, or with a close friend. For some relationships, broccoli is an abomination, might be a law, for example. It has nothing to do with actual broccoli, but everything to do with your relationship with what your partner, parent, child, friend thinks of broccoli. 
And of course, there are more important laws in close relationships having to do with fears, hopes, faith, what counts as worthwhile risk, self-regard, vocations, and much more. A covenant written on the heart is less about the details like broccoli than about the process of discovery, a process of care that changes, grows, and deepens, one hopes, over time. A law written on the heart must be mutual too. Perhaps Israel broke the previous covenant because God didn't yet understand the contours of the divine human relationship. Indeed, one way to think about that continual cycle in the Hebrew Bible, God offers a covenant, humankind breaks the covenant, God offers a new covenant, is not just that humankind is fallible. God must have known that from the start. But that God is also learning better and better how this covenant relationship could work. It's a process of discovery on God's part, and of course ours as well. Our part is well, to do our part, to return the favor of figuring out how this relationship with God personally and communally works. What has this Lent, indeed this, this whole profoundly difficult and tragic year, taught you about God? What does God have to learn about you? And how is that process going? This is the question here in week five of Lent. The Vatican II document, Gaudium et Spes, describes this law written on the heart as related to conscience. This vision of conscience isn't the caricature of the little angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other, but a quiet place where we hear the echo of the voice of God. Here's part of that passage adjusted for inclusive language. We have in our hearts a law written by God. To obey it is the very dignity of humanity. According to it, we will be judged. Conscience is our most secret core and sanctuary. There we are alone with God, whose voice echoes in our depths. In a wonderful manner, conscience reveals that law, which is fulfilled by love of God and neighbor. Discernments of conscience, then, are the product of a conversation in that secret core and sanctuary where we attend to the echo of the voice of the divine. In Catholic moral theology, we are charged always to act in line with our conscience and to take care to inform our conscience as well, even though we all know that we can make mistakes. We can discern wrongly, sure, but we must always act on our best sense of where that echo calls us. Today's gospel shows Jesus doing this discernment of where God is calling him and its chilling news. This passage comes immediately after Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey with a crowd scattering palm branches before him, a symbol of victory sometimes used to greet a king. Jesus has thumbed his nose at Rome. The crowd has recognized him as their leader. The nervous Pharisee said in the verse just before our passage, look, the world has gone after him. Nothing good comes of mocking Rome and gathering a sympathetic crowd in occupied Jerusalem. Jesus' comments about his death reflect what's only common sense. He's in trouble. Jesus' comment, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name, is sometimes used to justify the idea that Jesus' whole reason for being was to die. 
and in that death to satisfy the harm done to God's honor by human sin. It makes God kind of awful when you think about it. Fallible humanity sins. Again, God must have suspected that that would happen. Didn't God read the Hebrew Bible? And only the sacrifice of someone who is both enough like God and enough like us to bridge the gap will satisfy God's hurt feelings. Ridiculous. Is God, the God who created the glories revealed by the Hubble telescope, that God, is that God so petty and mean? Let's look at it another way. Jesus, like the God we meet in the Hebrew Bible, has special care for the poor, the outcast, the oppressed. Jesus calling out Rome wasn't a suicidal provocation. Jesus called out Rome because, based on his conscience, based on his developed relationship with God, somebody had to say something back at Rome. Somebody had to stand up for the ordinary Israelites, especially the poor and oppressed among them. He and God know what counts as worthwhile risk. That deeper relationship question again. And Jesus is on their side. Somebody had to love them all the way. The cross of Jesus is only a triumph if you see it not as a site of pointless sacrifice to placate an angry God, nor a ghastly prelude we skip over quickly to get to Easter, but rather Jesus doing what love and conscience demanded. So here in week five of Lent, this question of what the law written on our hearts asks of us is very serious. It's not a law made of rules. It's a law made of love for God and each other and what that love asks of us. As we approach Holy Week, we are asked whether we can love as resolutely, as powerfully as Jesus did. Short answer, no, no, we can't, not by ourselves. But we're not in this alone. As we ponder what we've learned of God and what God has or still needs to learn about us this Lent, especially in light of the rumblings of crucifixion. We have the help of each other, of the whole Christian community across time and space, of Jesus who knows what waits for us on Easter morning, and the help of the fiery spirit who invites us to step deeper into the dance that created the universe, the spirit who cries out for justice, the same spirit who calls us each by name, and invites each of us to say, yes, I love to dance. We believe in God, who knows the longings of our hearts, empowering us to live them. We believe in Christ, who loves us to our core, inviting us to live boldly and love freely. We believe in Spirit, who dwells in our hearts, enabling us to see 
the Christ wherever we are. This we believe. Amen. We are called to love one another, and one of the ways we do that is to pray. So let us join our hearts offering prayers for ourselves and for the world, for the whole human family, and for all of creation. Let us pray. Fiery Spirit of love, we give you thanks for the stars of the heavens and for this planet we call home for the life we perceive and for the life that goes unnoticed, we stand in wonder. We pray that our understanding and care of the earth would grow as we step deeper into the dance that created the universe. As we stumble, remind us that we are still worthy of love. Help us to learn from the stories of our ancestors who grew in relationship with you and with one another in a process of discovery that included 
making mistakes. Help us to listen for the echoes of your voice, the echoes of love in our most secret core and sanctuary, and to remain true to that voice as we do what love and conscience demand. We pray for all those who are suffering violence and fear. We pray for those who are living with hunger and homelessness. We pray for those facing incarceration and deportation. Help us to see one another as human and to be guided by the law written on our hearts. And now in silence, we continue in prayer to you. We make this prayer in the name of the one who taught us to pray, saying, Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus. 
as you go forth tending the relationships within and around you. Let it be a process of discovery and care. Know that you have the help of a community that spans time and space, and the help of the fiery spirit who invites you to step deeper into the dance that created the universe, the spirit who cries out for justice, the same spirit who calls you by name. of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. <laughs>